In today's episode of VFM, we're talking to Broadstone's Simon Q about what value for money means to him. Welcome to the 20th, yes, 20th episode of VFM, the Pensions Podcast. And as ever, I'm delighted to be joined and sit, being sitting ne- next to my co-host, Nico Aspinall. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's our 23rd, isn't it? Because we had three specials. It um, is, yeah. So we can't count. I'm an actuary. That, 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 you don't take that as, don't extrapolate that to the rest of my profession. And yes, of course, I'm delighted to be sat, as ever, next to my co-host, co-host Darren Phil. Co-horse, was that? Co-horse? <laughs> the high yeah, horse is later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll wait for that with interest. And um, as, as you said, Nico, we're delighted to be joined by Simon Q from Broadstone. Welcome, Simon. Well, thank you for having me, chaps. It's lovely to be here. You're very thank kind. you for joining very us. Very welcome. Uh, Simon, you've been, uh, you've just joined Broadstone. Um, so this is like day three. Is that correct? Right? Absolutely. <laughs> and they've, they've already let me out. So. <laughs> uh, but you're head of market engagement, so presumably you'll be let out a lot. Uh, yes. engaging with the market. Uh, previously, you've been at Deloitte, uh, so Head of Strategy and Relationships in the Employer Covenant team, uh, and the Pensions Regulator with a variety of roles, um, but uh, talking about policy and market open market options, so no doubt we'll come on to those things um, And as we talk to you about how you got into pensions. Yeah, and I think um, you were at the regulator at the same time I headed up the pensions team <laughs> at the Treasury, and, uh, and that's where our paths started to cross. Absolutely right, yes. Yeah. It was, a, it was and still, I mean, it was the, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It wasn't was, it, wasn't it? It was, and it was, um, it was a golden era of pension policy making, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. People might disagree, and, and 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 I'm glad you've joined us on day three, and we wanted to get you on the pod. Um, quite quickly, to, because we didn't want Dave Brooks yeah, to indoctrinate you <laughs> in, into his way of thinking. You, hi, Dave. Um, hope you're listening, in, in, you know, and, and not too worried about what uh, Simon is going to say. Um, but I'm, you sure, know, I'm sure he's going to be very, very pleased to get a name check. Yeah, 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 yeah we'll, we'll make sure we tag him in LinkedIn as yeah, well. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the reasons when we were talking about and, and inviting you on the podcast was, um, you know, you've got a lot of experience across the pensions industry, and a lot of our guests so far have been. You know, very not in the weeds of DC, but you know that's their primary love. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what we thought we wanted, well, what we wanted to do is to start broadening out the debate a bit. Yeah, and just getting sort of a, a wider perspective. So we've promised not to ask ask you lots and lots of detailed questions about, um, you know, um, calculating returns. <laughs> Forward looking versus back. Yeah, yeah all that type of stuff. Well, I'm, I'm jolly glad because no one wants to dead air, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but 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 you know, but but having that sort of one step removed perspective, I think, mm. will be really interesting in terms of where the debate um, has gone. And obviously, we're going to quiz you about your time at the regulator, and we expect you to spill some beans. Yeah. But before we get onto that, as ever, we start with the news. We do. And Simon, um, what have you got for us? Guess go first. Yeah. Oh, that's very kind. Um, not not so much a news item, but something that, that came up very recently in uh, professional pensions. Uh, Robin Ellison, who's uh, never knowingly uncontroversial, um, has uh, is written his latest column, which is, uh, what's the point of pensions, trade and professional bodies? 
Mm. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. Mm. Yeah. So what? So what is he saying? Is he is, is is he talking about we're having consolidation in the pensions industry? Therefore, we need consolidation in the pensions trade bodies. Is that the the key tenet of his argument? Absolutely. Um, sort of further on in his his column. Um, he initially focuses on the PLSA, right. saying, do we still need it, at least in its present form? Mm. Um, but then says that we should look at a similar question to be asked about the other uh, pensions organisations. And there's this great list. So he starts with PLSA, PMI, PASA, OPDU, APL, SPP, APPT, AMNT, ECPA, PRAG, PAT, PPI, PI and ACA. <laughs> <laughs> at least one of those he sneaked in to test whether you know the actual yeah, acronyms. Yeah, I'm sure he's made one of those up. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's bound to be a, a duff one in there. Um, <laughs> Perhaps I'm suspicious. Of <laughs> <laughs> because cause also in, in, within his article as well, and I love reading Wilkins' articles. Yes, oh, absolutely. Always, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're, they're always quite controversial and, and, and stuff. But he also talks not just about um, the industry representative side of things, but he also talks about the regulatory side of things as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, there's an interesting line where he says, "We're still waiting for TPR to show its value for money and a reduction in its manpower following the reduction in scheme numbers." Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the regulator moves staff around uh, departments. I mean, I'm, I'm testament to that, and I know I was there a fair while back, but I, yeah. I had what, three or four different roles in the three years I was there. So staff do move around and. Um, and we'll, we'll come on to um, the regulators, uh, uh, well, the joint framework on, on VFM later, I'm sure. But as that steps up, then they'll move staff over there. Their, their delayed code will right. need staff. Um, the, the changes to notifiable events will need staff that aren't currently in situ, so they will naturally move from other departments. So I, I, I get the line, I get why he's saying that, but yeah. it's, it's not necessarily scheme numbers come down, therefore staff have to go. Yeah, there yeah. may be a, a rationalisation, there may be a plan that the regulator to do that, mm. I simply don't know. Um, but the, the two aren't, aren't sort of definitely linked. Yeah, yeah. I like um, one of the quotes in the article um, when he talks about getting the trade associations together. It would need a Putin-length table <laughs> um, because it might involve quite a few operators. Um, Just don't drink the tea. You know, do you? <laughs> yeah. um, and talking about sharing a virtual office with an international branch somewhere warm like the Seychelles. And I'm sure Robin would put himself forward as chair I'm of sure said organisation. That's, sure that's a great story. And, and, and Robin, and we've talked about Robin before on the podcast, yes, we have, and it was yeah. in relation to one of his regular columns in professional pensions. So yeah. keep up the good work, Robin. It's um, always a good. Good fun read. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a wider question around. So, so I had a lot of sympathy for what he was saying. Um, you know, we've got the CBI currently in disgrace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a big question as to what these trade bodies really are. Um, and I hope that a number of them will take their opportunity to reinvent themselves for, you know, by the way, it's the 21st century, guys. They look quite old and quite staid in a number of different ways, mm-hmm. don't they? Um, so that's not picking on the PLSA. Um, a lot of his arguments about the PLSA was when we, when it was the NAPF, everybody sort of understood what it was, mm. uh, and now it's sort of lost brand power and influence as a result of its its change to the PLSA. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's lots of interesting points in there. And that, that would be my concern with like a, a super body, yeah. um, which sounds very wrong. Now I've said it. But <laughs> if if you do crash them all together. Will you then water down the voice of the lawyers, the members, the employers, the, mm. all of the various in, in, interested parties? Yeah, they'll be fighting for for that press release, for that yeah. um, 
uh, interaction with a consultation or something along those lines. And, and that would be my fear that rather than if, if they do it right, they have a strong voice and they are representing their members, um, which is a good thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Would they be able to do that if they all crash together? You need, um, you need a homogeneity in terms of membership and an alignment in terms of membership um, because otherwise um, you can get very conflicted as an organisation mm. very quickly mm. Mm. Um, because quite rightly um, the motivations and the needs of lawyers may be different to the motivations and needs of trustees yeah. which are certainly different to the motivations and needs of investment managers so on and so forth so yeah. Yeah. you know I think that you know just boiling down everything to one single entity um, probably could never work. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know Robin likes to be de deliberately provocative on this stuff, which is why we love his articles. Yeah. Um, but I think his, you know, taking his point slightly more realistically, you know, <laughs> is it a good opportunity to sort of step back and work out where the, you know, the right boundaries between these different organisations are? Where's the overlap? Where's the potential for them to, you know, work work better together? Mm. Mm. Nico, Moving what, on. Yeah, yeah. What, what have you got for us? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about, uh, so the Dutch Senate has finally passed their Are we going international? contribution. Yeah, well, you know, forgive me. Uh, but it's about DC. Um, so they have, uh, yeah, they finally passed after what um, IPE reports as being 15 years of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, now that I think of it, it's probably true. Um, but uh, it certainly feels like it's a topic that they've been talking about. We've heard that the, the Dutch have been talking about for a long time. Mm. So essentially removing some of the intergenerational transfer issues with their current CDC system yep. and moving to what, uh, you know, in the UK we would call a CDC system, right? So this mm. is still not pure DC, um, individual uh, DC as we might call it in the UK, um, but a lot more risk borne by the individual mm. so um yeah it's, they've they've had that debate for a long period of time um there's been a number of different triggers for that debate um certainly at the beginning um uh, think about dropping interest rates now you know rising interest rates um and uh yeah so so various kind of lobbying and political pressure it's, it, it, it has been going on mm. uh, but yeah so their dc system is ready to launch excellent excellent and yeah it's been a long time in the in the making and, yeah. and, and do you think nico that you know we're, we're seeing um you know you've got db on the one hand which mm. is you know mm. dying off other than you know some of the mega schemes that are out there and obviously the public sector yeah you've got dc on the other and and all of these all of these countries have sort of similar problems in terms of saving and you know demographic challenges yeah do you think that we will converge into a cdc type model in the future do you think we can ever get there mm. um, or do you think that actually cdc is only ever going to be um you know for certain types of employers certain types of schemes and we've almost gone too far into the dc world yeah, well, I, 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 we, we did a bit of gossip last week um, or two weeks ago. Um, there, there is a bit of gossip on CDC in the UK here, which is that we understand the DWP next consultation on decumulation mm. will essentially propose CDC as being the core mm. um, and potentially forcing employers to put themselves, put their, their staff into post-retirement CDC environment. So is this, would this be for auto-enrolled people? Well, uh, we don't know. Just, I guess we've got to find out. Um, ultimately, everybody's auto-enrolled, um, uh, you know, 
they're, they're either uh, not auto enrolled because they're enrolled and they're covered by auto enrolment, or they're auto enrolled, right? Um, Although you can get contractually auto enrolment as well. Um, yeah, but it comes to the same law, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you're going to use that law to say it needs to be CDC post retirement, then it's going to be the same law that covers you, right? So more work for the actuaries going forward. Well, more work for the actuaries. Um, but I guess where I thought you were about to say, you know, and we've got our waving hands here. So um, at one end of the, <laughs> the spectrum is D, DB, yep. uh, and then there's this huge gap, and at the far end of the spectrum is DC. Mm. Um, if you talk to what the Dutch do, then their CDC as was, was probably our DB of the 80s. Right? Yes, so yeah. they had like discretionary increases, yeah, yeah. Um, much looser funding code, and through various bits of legislation from the 80s and 90s, mm. we pushed uh, inflation, um, uh, various preservation rights onto, yeah. onto the DB, and kind of put it much further to the, the left of my spectrum. Um, so... You know, moving from that very, very far hard-coded final salary benefit or career average benefit through to, you know, all the member risks, all the risks borne by the members, that is a huge space. Isn't and it? currently in the UK, we call all of that CDC. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And every country is somewhere in that space yeah. with their, um, you know, employment legislation. And every country considers that somewhere to be DB or yeah. DC um, or CDC. And every, every country has a different state benefit system and a different healthcare system uh, and a different, you know, you name it, tax system. So will there be some sort of harmony across all of those things? I can't see it. No. I can't see it. Um, and, and, and do you think, you know, you did, you, when, when Nico introduced you, uh, Simon, um, he said that you've done some DB um, employer covenant work and that and sort of market engagement around that mm. you know do you think employers have had their fingers burnt so much by the db experience that any sort of sniff of guarantee mm. or um commitment that could sort of get reversed or changed by legislation in the future do you, do, you know what, what would be employers appetite be for something like this just just based on your experience uh, it, in the main um no i don't think there would be an appetite mm. um the 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 employer's quite rightly on the hook for a, a, a promise that's been made, um, but the the running of that promise is something they don't really have any control over, mm. yeah. um, which a CFO is, is naturally going to be uncomfortable with. Um, and any call on more funding, um, and we can talk about trap surpluses, I think it should be a lot easier for employers to get a surplus back out, then they yeah. might actually be a little more open to putting a little more in but yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's something that needs to be funded but ideally not now mm. um, that said um, I think when there is competition for the best brains the best people will there be an offering when nobody else is offering any kind of guaranteed pension at, mm. at the end will there then be an offering of, well if you come to us we'll, we'll give you this little guaranteed pension mm. and I think it may come back um, yes there'll be caveats um, no, it won't look the same as the 1980s, yeah, uh, the, the yeah, traditional yeah. Um, DB. But in a in a competitive uh, market for for the right employees, I think it could be a tool that employers mm. start to start to use. Mm. And I think mm. it's um, it's about it's not necessarily about value for money. It's about how people value that pension as a benefit as part of their mm. wider package. Yeah. And um, is that know, is that because you don't think it is value for money? Is no, no. I'm oh, right, right, just all, testing. You know, I'm just uh, trying yeah, to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that they, they can. You know, employers will provide better pensions. Yeah, if it's going to um, motivate the workforce. Yeah. 
Um, but but actually, we've gone to sort of the lowest common denominator on, on some of this in places. And people sort of value cash, yeah. um, as we know from the behavioural um, economic side of things, over um, an, an, an income or a, a, a pot in the future. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is where partly, you know, one of the other trade bodies that was name-checked by, by Robin was the Trade Union Congress, isn't it called? TUC. Um, so, you know, the decline of uh, collective bargaining in the workplace is part of yep. why... Uh, employers are, you know, freer to to reduce those kind of collective mm. benefits mm. Um, because individual employees, yeah, as you say, they're, they're, there's a lot of behavioural finance which shows mm. that they'd rather have money jammed today. Um, but it would be it would, it would be absolutely great if people could start competing on pensions again in terms of you know being a key part of the remuneration yeah. package because you know I'm not judging whether it's right to go on strike and stuff, but mm -hmm. you know with pensions reform, especially within the public sector. Um, you know, people get very um, emotive yeah, about yeah. Um, you know changes to to the the, the pension offering. Yeah. Um, so there is value there. Yeah. You know, people yeah. do value it if it's um, being changed. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see you know Simon um, what what does actually happen in that employer space and whether there are future pensions models. I don't think we've necessarily had the one identified yet, but future yeah. pensions models where you know um, contributions are higher. Um, and actually, it does give people a pension rather than just a cash pot at um, age 65 or whatever the people yeah. set their retirement age at. Yeah. But the workforce are changing, of course, and it's very pe very easy for people in the pensions world to always want to um, promote pensions. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying we shouldn't because a pension is a fantastic thing. Shock horror provider says government should increase pension contributions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But look at the workforce. So people entering the workforce now. Yeah. It's a very different world, a very different position to when I joined the workforce, mm -hmm. which I can just about remember. 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was a long time ago, but it was very, very different. I joined um, Barclays Bank was, was my job. I came out of college and went, went into, they called it an accelerated training program. And, and I, I don't think it delivered either of those. But anyway, um, <laughs> it wasn't accelerated and there wasn't a lot of training. But I, I started on day one and was told, well, this is what your salary will be. Yeah. This is your tax and national insurance and that's your pension contribution. So right. it was yeah. just yeah. that money is leaving your account before you've even got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen now. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there's auto enrollment, you can opt out. Um, but it's not, it's not the same yeah. uh, world that we live in. You've then got cost of living. You've got rent is is astronomical compared to what it was when I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got student debt, which you didn't have when I started in the workforce. So I, whenever I'm thinking about these things, it's not what I did when I was joining the workforce. It's what are people looking at now? And your, your point, Darren, about people want cash. Yeah. Um, yes, because they want to save for a property. They want to yeah, either get yeah, on a property yeah, ladder yeah. or they want to be able to rent somewhere. Uh, they want to be able to eat, yeah. uh, which I think is a fair, uh, a fair yeah. um, thing, really. So yeah. it's not about avocado toast. No, 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 absolutely. <laughs> it is so, about heating and eating. So yeah. is a pension a, pr a priority for these these people entering the workforce now? No, I don't think it is. Yeah. So the question probably is: Is a pension a good thing? Yes. How do we get these people to understand that the pension is a good thing, that they should invest in it, they should build it up. The, the more you save now, yeah, it's yeah. easier to build up. Exactly. All of that. So an education piece, and I'm sorry, I've gone off on a massive tangent no, no, here, but more around the education, which I think comes back to the sort of school age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's... It, 
theoretically it's within the curriculum but is it taught if you want to buy a pair of trainers how much does it cost how much do you need to save then you'd sort of look at compound interest if you save it you get this so you're getting free money effectively i don't think those conversations are happening it's finding a way to engage with the people um, to to get them to buy into it rather than telling them this is what you should do because mm-hmm. as we all know that doesn't really work and, and the way this group are communicated with is very very different or the way this group receives their information is very very different mm. lots of short film videos mm, yeah. videos YouTube Instagram TikTok yeah. you know um, and that you know the, the, the rise of the influencer yeah. in these in yeah, these spaces yeah, yeah. can potentially be huge yeah. you know and I've seen some uh, TikTok videos that I think someone posted on LinkedIn a, a little while ago, which was, you know, someone absolutely berating a pension. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, why would you, why would you, ever save into a pension? You know, um, but that would get a lot more penetration and a lot more views and um, a lot more distribution than a, a communication from a pension company. And I think we really need, as an industry, to think about how we innovate in terms of our communication. So. <laughs> We've spoken a lot. Darren, did you have any news that you wanted to talk about? I thought you'd never ask. I thought you'd never ask. So um, my news is um, around some um, ABI stats. Um, one of the trade associations that was probably mentioned by Mr Ellison. Um, <laughs> was that on his list? I don't know. I don't know. I think he was, actually. I didn't spot that one. I think he did say that um, you know, if, if anyone was... Other trade bodies are, yeah. are available. Yeah. Um, so ABI produce... I think it's quarterly stats on annuity sales. And um, these numbers came out, I think, earlier this week. Um, and um, between January and March 23, 16,256 annuities were purchased, which was the largest number recorded um, um, since uh, pretty much 17,000 were sold between July and September 2019. Um, and also annuity premiums for the quarter totaled 1.2 billion um, to the highest value since 2015 when pensions freedoms were introduced. But I think um, there's a quote here from Stephen Lowe from Just Group. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that for every £100 of premium that has been invested this quarter, £70 of it has been invested with a different annuity provider on the open market. So I thought that was quite interesting as well because, you know, annuities are are making comeback albeit from a very low base, yeah. Um, because you know they were decimated after pensions freedoms, and they were yeah. on the wane um, before. And Nico's got a very. I've nice got the, the, the yeah the PPI uh, DC Future Book stats, um, which for those of you reading along is on page thirty, um, <laughs> and it is just a cliff face graph. Yeah, yeah. and and it really started um, at the begin in sort of 2010. Yeah. Um, plummeted and then plummeted again when yeah. pensions freedoms yeah. were announced yeah. and obviously we've been in the, you know the macroeconomic conditions low interest rates you know haven't been you know uh, conducive to demonstrating the value of annuity but i think that you know there's lots of thinking going on in the industry around you know how best we can help people at retirement and does it always have to be a one and done one type of product solution yeah um and you know annuities there's pros and cons yeah, right. um, but it's good that they're they're back and as part of the mix. And yeah. you must look at, look at this look back on this fondly from your TPR days, Simon, when you know um, your bio said you did some work on the open market option. So clearly, clearly, your influence is shining through. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, whether I can claim credit for it or not, uh, I, I don't know. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the open market uh, option project that uh, that I was leading on when I was in, in 
policy, briefly in policy at the regulator. Um, it was very, very interesting. The documentation that's being provided to members um, was of mixed quality. Mm -hmm. um, some of it was quite open and honest in, in saying, um, we offer this product, but there are plenty of you can go and have a look elsewhere. Um, and others, it was we offer this product. It's wonderful. It's all singing and dancing, and, and sort of right here. Whis whispering by the the sort of back of the handle. You might look elsewhere, but um, but you don't want to do that. Um, and changing that, and it has changed, um, is is absolutely a, a positive for any member that wants to engage with their pension. Um, clearly looking at, at what the, the difference may be in staying where you are or, or taking the annuity elsewhere. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely changed. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if that 70% on the open market, that's by value. Yes. So those are the advised people, right? Doesn't have to be advised, but... But that could be 10% of the number, yeah. for instance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, my, my sense, because I, 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 I'm glad the ABI is producing those stats because I couldn't find them. And uh, since Freedom and Choice, they, they used to do a very good... Uh, roundup of the annuity market, and since Freedom and Choice, really, that's fallen to I think it's FCA or the Treasury, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is which is pretty high level. And from reading that, my assumption was that um, oh, I think we talked about this um, that essentially the people who were buying annuities were converting guaranteed annuity yeah. rates yeah. Um, from from products that they bought decades ago. Um, so so just, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see those kind of breakdowns. Yeah, yeah, not easy to do. Maybe, but yeah. well, if it's got a GAR, you're either collecting the, the data or not, right? Um, uh, and if you're not, then it's impossible. <laughs> we're, we're in step one, aren't we? Oh, we're back to data. We haven't talked about data enough. All right. Um, so I've got one other little piece of news, um, if I may. Go on then. <laughs> which is uh, the Tony Blair Institute uh, has come out, and this was covered, I think, in in professional pensions, and no doubt other other bits of the trade press. Uh, talking about super funds, particularly in DB, but I think there is a growing uh, uh, discussion now as to really, I mean, if I go back to the NAPF's views of auto-enrolment, licensing super trusts, uh, superannuation trusts, to be uh, basically big aggregators of uh, assets and, you know, dot, 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 the point here, investing in Britain. Mm. Um, so we talked, I think, last time uh, or two times ago about uh, the shadow chancellor, Rachel Reeves' plan. Um, you know, there are a number of these different kind of plans dotted around. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he wants super funds um, or they want super funds and particularly the PPF. Yeah. I which I thought was very interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, though, those actuaries are going to have to uh, shift their worldview, right? Uh, because at the moment, I think one of the big arguments is those are feel full of guilt. Mm. Um, I'm sure Tony Blair isn't deliberately trying to create a guilt market crisis, but you know that that would be the consequence if 300 billion, 400 billion uh, kind of dropped out of the guilt market in the next three to five years. He wants so you know that's pretty chunky is, yeah. disinvestment from from uh, from guilt. Um, so that's obviously why Treasury will stop it. But um, you know these these. This noise is starting to, to bubble, so and maybe yeah, at some stage it becomes politically electable. Yeah, I think everyone's um, getting a view on this now, uh, yeah. and, and jumping on the you know invest in Britain bandwagon. And I think yeah. that raises some pretty big and fundamental issues um, for fiduciary duty and mm. the role of trustees and the yeah. role of schemes longer term. It's one of the motivations behind CDC as well. 
um, because Aeon created these, you know, what's the word? What's the kind word? Very, very model-based assumptions as to essentially, you know, if you go into CDC, then um, if you take like an old school default mm. uh, DC scheme, uh, then, you know, you can have more equities for longer. Um, and, uh, you know, therefore the magic of 50% higher benefits uh, occurs. Um, uh, but, you know, where are those equities going to be? And, you know, mm. I'm sure parts of the government say, oh, yeah, you know, they could be in the UK, couldn't mm. they? Mm. The big issue with all of this is that if you, if you apply current, let's say, investment advice to those funds, they will be 5% of the UK because that's the proportion of the market cap that we are. Mm. So somewhere in the licensing of these super funds or in the legislation for what DC schemes have to do or what employers have to do, if you want investments in Britain, then you're going to have to mandate it. Yeah, I think that's where we're going to get to. If they, go, if they want to really shift the dial on this. But it could take us five years of failure before they realise yeah. it. Yeah, or, or longer. It's very tempting for for government to look at pension schemes, the billions and billions in pension schemes, and extrapolating that across to the amount of money that's sitting in the PPF. Now, we know that that's there for a reason. Right? Yeah. So what's, what, what happens in the downside? Um, yeah. They've got to underwrite it. If, if they don't underwrite it, um, then why the hell should the, the members of the PPF, yeah. by association, then employers have to foot the bill for yeah. a, a failed experiment? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, the PPF isn't underwritten at the moment, is it? Um, I don't think, but pretty much everyone knows that politically it could never go pop if things went wrong. Um, but you would imagine if government was to start directing the PPF as to where they might invest, mm. then calls for that underwriting and that guarantee would would grow a lot stronger. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is underwritten by the contributions of existing DB schemes. Yes. So if it had a deficit, then it would raise its premium. Um, and those DB schemes, which are now overfunded, may well, uh, you know, be very, very upset that just as their risk is reducing, the cost to them is going up. Um, but, uh, that it, yeah, uh, you know, for as long as there, there are DB corporate schemes, the PPF in some way has recourse. Mm. Um, that is, by the way, its, it's major de design flaw. Mm. as that shrinking pool of recourse, yeah. uh, which is the only place that could never be swallowed by the PPF, yeah. is, is the only place that pays for the PPF to, to fail. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you're right. I think politically, you know, somebody would reach their hand in their pocket um, from the government side. Um, we also have to remember they wouldn't be insolvent. I mean, this is one of the things about actuarial, right? So they, they might have a cash flow crisis mm. um, and they might be underfunded and those, both of those things might happen at the same time. But over the course of 50 years, yeah. they would still have assets, yeah. right? Um, so, uh, yeah, there would be, you know, haircuts now so we don't have to give sell our assets in a fire sale, but, you know, we'll pay you back those things later on. Mm -hmm. So, that's probably enough news. That probably is. Yeah, and that wasn't as quick a item as you promised, but anyway, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. So, Simon, um, how did you get into pensions? Well, as uh, an interesting story. Um, it's not really. Um, <laughs> like most people, I, I didn't plan to, to be in pensions. And I uh, mentioned earlier, I was in, in banking mm. And, mm. and finance. Um, and I, I decided, uh, I thought it was probably time for a change. Um, I didn't want to be doing that for the rest of my, my career. Uh, and I was on the bus home 
um, and looking at the, the Evening Standard, and I saw this uh, advert for the pensions regulator. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought, well, that looks rather interesting, pensions regulator, Brighton, that sounds, <laughs> sounds fun. Um, so I applied, and that was, that was for a case manager. Um, and it was at a time, so I joined in 2007, so it was either late 2006, early 2007, the regulator was looking to bring in uh, people from outside of the pensions industry mm-hmm. as uh-huh. case managers to bring a bit of a commercial view yep. um, to case management. Um, and I'll let your listeners decide whether that was successful. Or not. <laughs> uh, and I, I was one of the cohorts. So I went down, I was I was um, furiously cribbing in the car, like, what's what's DB, what's DC? <laughs> um, just so I could, and, and that's not why I was being employed, because obviously I'd pick all of that up. Um, but uh, yeah, for the, the interview, and I, again, some of your listeners may know Jeff Cruikshank, um, and I don't know if he'd be listening or not, but if he is, um, I, I have immense respect uh, and an affection for Jeff. Um, and yeah, I'd had the interview down there. Uh, and I remember there was one one question uh, that he asked. He said, look, Simon, it's um, it's getting towards the end of uh, the end of the day um, and you've got a phone call and there's a there's a big problem. Right. Um, you're, you're about to go. What do you do? I said, well, you just you just work later. And he sort of sat back in his chair and smiled, and I thought, I'm doing okay here. Um, so yeah, I went into into the pensions regulator, and that's that's how I, I first got into pensions. Um, but it was it was it was a fun time because it was the early early days of the regulator. Because um, it got set up in was it 2005 it launched. Well, well yeah, it was the 2004 yeah. Act. 2004 um, Act. Yeah. So yeah, it was sort of five six uh, that it came into being. Yeah. So yeah, real real early days. Mm. Um, was Mr. Hopman as CEO. Indeed, it was yeah. Mr. Hopman. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite sounds really cheesy to say, but it was quite an exciting time mm, because yeah. Yeah. everyone was kind of learning. Um, the codes of practice had only just come out, mm-hmm. um, so we we were yeah, it was, it was the em- embryonic stages of, of where we are now with with pensions regulation. Mm, yeah. Um, so that was that was very interesting, um, and then one one. Uh, morning. I used to like getting down there early. Sorry, am I rambling fast? No, go for it. Yeah. Uh, I used to, used to like getting down there early. It, was, it just made it an easy, easy commute. Uh, and I was on the the, the floor. Um, well, I was actually at my desk, but I was on the floor. On, on the floor on my own. <laughs> it would um, have been and, a long night. The night before, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I know I said I'd work longer. But, uh, <laughs> um, and a door opened behind me, and I heard these footsteps, and I knew it was June Mulroy. And, and again, some of your listeners will, will remember June. Um, and for those that don't, June was a formidable lady, one of the executive directors at the regulator. And she literally tapped me on the shoulder and said, come with me. Uh, I said, well, no, I've, I had papers on my desk. Right. I said, well, I've got, got all this. She said, no, we've taken all of your cases away from you. I thought, oh, God, what have I done? Um, and she took me into a room, and it was around the GP Noble case. Right, right. Uh, and with my financial background, um, it, all of the paperwork that they'd um, acquired under a... a Section 73, I think it was, um, mm-hmm. where they, they went into the offices and, and took all the paperwork. So I had to trace the money um, on GP Noble, which wow. was fascinating. Yeah. Um, and that case rumbled on for a long time. I wasn't the case manager on that, but yeah. uh, that's how I then ended up in policy. And then, right. then I went up into the, the government relations role, which was fantastic. I mean, that was interacting with everything from number 10 down. Um, so DWP, obviously, an awful lot. Yeah. Treasury, yeah. less so. Mm. Um, uh, PPF, um, uh, FSA as was, yeah. um, and then some of the European stuff as well with um, yeah. CEOPS as it was then, of course now IOPA yeah. um, and the OPC. So yeah. 
it was it was really really interesting I mean it was, it was fascinating um, getting my arms around all of that moving from the case team to a much more strategic mm. role mm. understanding the interplay between all of the regulators yeah uh, and and also wider industry understanding what uh, what impacts it had on on the pensions industry on employers um, it was yeah, it was a really good grounding I think yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and then I, I left and went into the world of employer covenant mm. uh, which of course has changed massively um, in in the last few years um, I'm pleased for my former employer that uh, that is still a, a sort of cornerstone of uh, of the regulators' um, policies, so that's good for them. Uh, and now, of course, um, newly in at Broadstone, which yeah, yeah. Um, is is absolutely fantastic. They're a great team, mm. uh, fresh off the back of um, uh, another uh, pensions admin award, so they've retained that. So that's that's two years yeah. running. They've won that, oh, fantastic. which is yeah, is yeah. superb. Yeah. Um, they're a great team. I've I know quite a few of the the, the people across the UK. Um, they're growing. Um, and they're, they're so customer focused it's it's a really good fit it, mm. um, I hope they're not listening when I say it kind of makes my job easy to engage with a market when you've got such a good team behind you, mm. uh, you, you touched no it on makes the expectations day. higher yeah. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> that's, that's your boss's answer there we go so exactly. he's doing his job here. But, it, but yeah it, it fires me up because I know they're, they're really good at what they do yeah. Um, yeah. and and it, it, it sits well with me right we, we all want the end user the end user is the member we all want them to do well yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's exactly what they're about so yeah. yeah it's 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 a very very busy time for me um, I, I, I it's amazing thank you so much for asking me in it it's my <laughs> first week and I'm already doing a podcast so it's, it's absolutely super one of the best I think uh, oh, absolutely. What, what, what do we go for the the the, the, the best Listen to pensions podcasts. I think that's that's what we should put somewhere. Right. I think our stats can, show that. Can we no. verify that? No, no, no. But no, just no, say no. preeminent. That's what everyone in industry does. Yeah, so we're yeah, the we're yeah, the preeminent yeah. insert name here. <laughs> Most entertaining. I want to talk a little bit about before we come on to VFM itself, uh, employer covenant. Because mm. um, I've been reading these master trusts TCFD reports, uh, and obviously they're all written under the same. So TCFD is the Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosures. Um, so they're all written under the same pensions regulator guidance. And it says very clearly, if it's relevant, you should be talking about the covenant and how climate change might affect that. So one of the questions I looked at these master trusts was to say, essentially, you know, are you narrowly focused enough on any one sector or any potentially one employer for you to worry about the covenant? And, you know, spoiler alert, the answer is no. Uh, but just uh, have you ever done any, did you ever do any covenant work for I mean, obviously, there'd be mixed benefits, but like with a particular angle on DC, did that question kind of ever come up? Um, not, not specifically um, DC. Um, I mean, when you think about um, longevity and, and diversification, we, mm. we were always scratching our heads, hoping for a way to uh, to look at DC. Yeah. Um, I mean, buyout um, was kind of as close as we really got to that. Looking at the buyout providers, yeah, it's very yeah. easy to think. Um, you name one of the major uh, buyout providers and go, well, of course, it's it's absolutely gold-plated. Right. But um, the, the the buyout element mm. is uh, is ring-fenced, um, and it's not necessarily the big name. It's uh, and it could be sold, and it uh, right. So yeah. there's there's elements there with covenant, and quite rightly, trustees would want to want to make absolutely sure that they're doing the right thing. If you yeah. if you've yeah. got a uh, a multinational major. Uh, employer behind your scheme is it actually a safer bet to stay where you are and and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and, and run it or not 
Um, but the, the point around um, ESG factors very definitely is coming into employer covenant as yeah. for, for quite a while um, because you you need to know uh, ultimately if the employer is going to be around to, to support mm. the scheme. And if they are um, not ahead of the game or at least keeping up with the game when it comes to climate change or... Yeah. Uh, I mean, governance is, is a given, right? You, 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 you've got to have good governance. Yeah, um, or, yeah, or, yeah. I mean, you're coming from a really, really poor place. But also um, diversification on boards, for instance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Um, if, if they're not keeping up, yeah. then they're going to be falling behind yeah, yeah. By, um, by association. And would that necessarily be a poor thing yeah, for yeah. the scheme? So, yeah, um, ESG is very definitely yeah, a factor yeah. within covenant these days. Yeah, because with, with the... You know, in DC, we've got a lot of narrative about we need more liquid assets. Um, obviously, that at the moment, the liquidity in the scheme comes from contributions and from employers surviving. Um, and you just sort of don't care about the covenant because uh, my assets I could redeem tomorrow if I, if I needed to. Um, at some point in the future, there will be less redeemable assets, possibly assets who have the ability to call future cash. So you made a commitment to a PE fund they could uh, essentially say, oh, have you got uh, that 20 million quid you owe us? So I just wonder whether, I mean, uh, you know, my sense today is that the answer is no, but, uh, you know, in future, whether DC schemes will become a bit more focused and think about the employer covenant Mm. um, and just that surety of future contributions. Um, Because at the moment, they're kind of let off the hook. Um, And certainly from a TCFD perspective, you know, there wasn't even one that said, we're not going to look at it. Mm. They all just didn't even mention it. Um, Which from a guidance perspective, is fine because it's very clear. <laughs> but I'm just a little bit disappointed. Maybe I'm too actuarial in all these things. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I just no. wanted to ask about that. Yeah. Excellent. So um, we're, we're, we're 40 minutes in. Um, well done, us. Well done, us. Yeah, uh, surviving. Um, so we always ask our guests what value for money means for them. Um, so Simon, you know, what does it mean for you? And what, what is your perspective on the whole... BFM debate, you know, being as we said earlier, one step removed from the mm. from the weeds on it. Um, in, in real basic terms, right? If I'm spending money on something, uh, I need to feel some kind of benefit from that, mm. right? I need mm. to get something back for that, um, but sort of not not necessarily of equal value to what I've spent. I want I want to get more, mm. right? Um, yeah. I, I don't just so. Um, it's what what's coming back to me, um, and be that a, a financial product um, mm. or or something else. Um, I just need to see a, a, a greater return uh, on my investment, mm. um, and I, that's that's how I look at it in in the real basic terms. Mm. The the wider, I'll give you an example of that in a moment. But coming to your point about the the wider VFM, um, who. Whose value for money? Whose metric are we looking at? Is it the members? Mm. Um, so, I, I'm a member of um, a DB scheme. Um, I've got my DC pots building up. Um, not quickly enough, but building slowly. But so I, I, I am a member. So, what do I want from my 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 pension provider? Well, I want them to invest it uh, in in a way that generates. A return on that. Mm. Um, I want them to invest it in a way that's not in, I don't know, guns and and animal testing and yeah. and things like that. The the 
counter to that, and, and someone could quite easily ask me the question, they probably will now I've said this, is what are you doing to ensure that they're not in guns and in uh, animal mm -hmm. testing? And the answer is actually, I'm not doing anything about that. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of assuming that that is, is what's being done, and that may or may not be the case. Mm. Um, so it's wrong to, wrong to assume, of course. Um, Probably, well, probably is in guns. I mean, just an FYI. Well, I, it's uh, unlikely. The basis of, well, no, so the, it's very difficult. So even the controversial weapons exclusions that uh, people do want and generally do apply, they're very difficult when it comes to people like, say, BAE systems. Mm. So should you be cutting them out because they have the ability to deploy controversial weapons and they sell to states that might want to deploy those weapons, the aircraft, um, or should you not? And so there is, there are lots of places where I think the ordinary consumer of pensions would be very surprised just how difficult it is to disentangle like white phosphorus and cluster mm, munitions yeah. and all of those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, we can't be as purist, I think, unfortunately, as we like in a, in a modern capitalist economy. Should you take away the IT provider to the cluster munitions? You know, should you take away the steel manufacturer who put, right? There's all sorts of places that you go to. Anyway, sorry, I distracted. No, it's, it's a really interesting point because I, I was just plucking something controversial mm. off the top of my head. Um, but that really is a, a, a thoroughly interesting point. It's like someone's got to manufacture them. Yeah. So manufacturing them is perfectly acceptable because there's a, a need. Um, someone's got to supply that need. But yeah. should we be investing in that as, yeah. as pension schemes? Yeah. Um, really, yeah, really interesting point, um, which is something that I, I probably need to give a bit more thought on, uh, quite frankly. Yeah, and it's, 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 it, it comes down to whose responsibility is it Yeah. as well. And this gets into the, you know, is it the individual's responsibility uh, yeah. of investing in a pension? And should they be holding their provider to account? But we know um, that people aren't engaged. Yeah, some people yeah. are, but yeah. a lot of people aren't. That's yeah. why we have auto-enrollment. Yeah. So then is it on the, on the is it the, the trustees, the, the patricians? Like, oh, you, know, you, 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 you called them last time, Nico. Um, you know, is it, is it on them? Um, to, yeah. to raise those standards and, and drive these things forward on behalf yeah. of their members. Yeah, mm. and well, and how do they decide what their members want? Yeah. Given that they are not going to tell them. And if you did ask them, you'd find opinions on both sides. Yeah. Um, because those weapons are very profitable, um, as is tobacco and all sorts yeah. of nasty things. So it is a really difficult area. But let, let's come back to uh, value for money, because um, I could talk about this all day, but we that's, not the point. that's not the point of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I was saying like, who's value for money, um, mm -hmm. and and at what level do we do we stop asking for engagement, and we we then it's it's assumed that this is or it's mandated or or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my my example, um, Darren asked me um, yesterday uh, for an example of, of value for money, um, and mine's a little. Um, a little bit of a tangent really but it's it's my rescue greyhound who mm. I absolutely adore uh, Rudy um, and we got him um, just before the the lockdown started and it was before we'd even heard of Covid mm. um, those those happy days yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, yeah he joined joined the family so the the, the charity the uh, the um, Celia Cross Greyhound Trust mm. um, asked for a, a contribution um, so that was that was a couple hundred pounds um, and that was a phenomenal investment. Mm. Now, of course, I'm I'm still investing in Rudy. He's, he's had a few vet trips lately. Um, there's his insurance. There's his his pet plan, um, food, obviously. Um, 
various things he needs. Balls. Like balls, yeah, absolutely. Squeaky toys, he does yeah. have a squeaky toy, coats, that sort of thing. So <laughs> I, I'm still investing in him. Yeah. But yeah. the reward I get for that is is multiples, mm. many, many multiples. Um, he, he interacts with me regularly. Mm. Mm. Um, those interactions are pleasant interactions. Um, if I don't want an interaction, um, then he gets the message quickly and, yeah. and he, he, he doesn't interact with me. It's fine. He, yeah. he likes his own space as well. So there are yeah. times when he's yeah. not interacting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the whole family benefit. Mm. So, I mean, they, I could be really cheesy and, and say that this it's, it's very similar to a pension. But it is. <laughs> um, I, 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 I was sort of going down a Swiss Tony route there. Uh, <laughs> for those that remember the far show. Yeah. Where, where it's, it's not the same. But it's it's a real it's it's been a cost. There is a financial commitment from me yeah, yeah, yeah. to my dog. Mm. Um, but what I get back is is absolutely immeasurable. Mm. So that's real value for money. And and yeah. he helped me retain sanity during the lockdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You time that perch is just right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're allowed one, one bit of exercise. You're allowed to exercise your dog. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the kids wanted to come on a dog walk. <laughs> <laughs> so, we get out the house. So yeah, I mean he's he's. So Absolutely. How old is Rudy? Rudy is five and a half. Um, okay. So we he, he was intended to be a racing greyhound. Right. Um, I mean, I could go down the debate of whether we should have greyhound racing. Um, without greyhound racing, I wouldn't have Rudy. So right. uh, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. there's as long as as long as the the welfare of the animal is is paramount, then I I don't see a problem with the racing necessarily. But anyway, uh, whole whole different podcast. Mm. Um, yeah, we got him. He wasn't even eighteen months. Um, right. He's, okay. he's quite a big dog, so he was, he was a bit yeah. bit too big to get in the trap. Yeah. Um, and oh, when he eventually right. got back out, he, he just couldn't care less. He, he didn't chase the rabbit. He right. was much, much happier having to sniff around. So <laughs> racing's loss is our, our gain. Oh, lovely. Excellent. Yeah. So, so one of the things that you get um, in the example you've described mm. yeah, is that instant gratification. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can take the dog out for a walk. Yeah, you can play ball or whatever you do with dogs, and, you yeah. know, um, have a laugh and whatever that. you do with dogs. Uh, um, it's, it's a non-dog owner. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you do with you dogs? Know, there's there's some disutility to it as well when you're having to pick up the poo. Yes, um, you know, it's all part of the love. Though, it's yeah, it's all part yeah. Um, but 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 Swiss Tony aside, yeah. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you talk, translate that into the pensions example? Because because people are making a contribution now. Yeah, mm. and their money is invested now, but they're not going to realise the gains from that, you know, until 20, 30, 40 years hence. So, yeah. so, so what do you think that we need? To, and this is an impossible question, so apologies in advance. Is no, it a rhetorical one? We should, we should let Simon off the hook if it is going to well, be. No, 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 no I'm, I'm happy to have. <laughs> to, how to how do we it. make pensions interesting? How do we make pensions like Rudy? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe we should have had a greyhound instead of wokey. Um, uh, worky. Um, wokey. 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 That was, that was a Freudian slip if ever there was one. Um, no, it's you, you, you're right on the point of, of instant gratification, right? So we we uh, met Rudy, um, made a decision whether we wanted to adopt him or not. They had to check that we had the right home for Rudy. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we we pick him up and he gives us hugs and. Yeah. and all that so there's the instant gratification yes that's being paid off over years we'll we'll have him for as long as we have him and then there will be a very sad time he's our second uh rescue greyhound i remember uh, domino our first one i was an absolute mess yeah. when yeah. when he had to be put down so it's yeah um it, it's kind of the, the, the polar opposite really um mm. you you have the the really crappy bit 
when you lose the dog yeah. um, at the end. Whereas with a pension, you have the crappy bit. You've actually got to pay yeah. for the, yeah. the damn thing yeah. first and, t- and, and work your, your entire working life before you get hold, hold of the cash. Mm. I think we, we've... I, well, I come back to the education point, right? We've got to start the education early. Mm. And I'm not talking about workplace. I'm talking well before that. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, you could even have an element of it primary age um, children. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I, I gave the example earlier of, of buying a pair of trainers or it could be a, a, goodness knows what the latest toy trend is. But for you to get that, you need to save for that mm. rather than you borrow to get that yeah. because there's, yeah. there's obviously a cost of borrowing and the, the pension element okay we, we don't know so someone entering the workforce today we don't know when they're going to be retiring right. um, is it 70 will there be a change is it 75 goodness knows right? yeah. I, I can't yeah. call that none of us can so what are the rules going to be when they get to retirement that's one of those unknowns which is going to hinder someone buying into the pension product yeah. um, because okay it's exactly that how long am I going to be doing this for mm. um, will I'm it be there be... when I retire yeah exactly you know, will like, it be there yeah. will there be a state pension will there be a state pension when I retire yeah. I mean that's that's you're not that far off son <laughs> 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 uh, I'll get you for that later yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm long enough uh, away from it to ask whether there will actually be a state pension I think there probably will but but it's it's a question of what will it look like mm, yeah um so yeah well, that's, will it be means tested yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah I mean there's there's talk of moving the, the taxing position on uh, on pensions mm. so what would that do that's yeah. an unknown yeah. so we need to try and address some of these unknowns but we also need to put ourselves in the minds of the people that will be buying the consumer um, what's in it for me yeah. yeah okay value for money is is a hugely important topic um, and I'm not dismissing by my next comment. My next comment is, if you're not putting anything into a pension, mm. the value for money debate is moot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. If you're putting yeah. Yeah. buttons in, you're going to get buttons out at the end. The value for money bit doesn't make a great deal of, uh, deal of difference. So one, you've got to get enough savings in there for it to be relevant. And then it's how do you get enough savings in there for it to be relevant? Um, assuming that we do have value for money, by whoever decides what value for money is, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you get enough money in there? And it's that what's in it for me. Yeah. What does it mean? Mm. Um, like retirement's the longest holiday you'll ever have. Um, do you want a holiday or do you just want to be sat in a room somewhere doing absolutely nothing yeah. because you, you have no money and you, you can't mm. heat the house, you can't... And, and we're seeing people day to day are struggling to do that with, with the cost of yeah, living crisis. Yeah. So you, you don't want that at, at the, the time when you should be enjoying life most. So, so we're almost at time, but I did want to come back to, because I think I take a different set of lessons from talking about Rudy, okay. um, which is um, about love, right? So, 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 you know, there's a thing, because so we, we've got to tip it. We haven't, we haven't talked about dogs on this podcast at all. Um, so one of the things that our trainer talked to us about, we had like one session with the trainer, mm. gave us some tips, uh, was there's toys where you can tug a rope and make the dog look at you. And a dog naturally will look away after three seconds, because if it's still looking after three seconds, it's now an aggressive wow. moment. And if you have those tug ropes, then the, the dog is forced to look into your eyes. And as soon as you break through that three seconds and it realizes it can, then you're into oxytocin, 
which is the mammal love drug, love endorphin, right? Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you build this relationship of love with your animal, which I don't know how many other cross-species oxytocin releases mammals have, but I imagine man and dog uh, is probably quite, quite unique in that. Um, and so the sense that we should love our pension, the sense that the thing that we spend our money on is the thing that we should be valuing, we've got very lost into some sort of financing I dare say there are limits to how much you'd spend on Rudy, but you probably don't think too hard about, you know, giving him a little treat and giving him his food. And, like, you know, there, there are various things which is just part of a love relationship. So can't we move the conversation onto what we spend pensions on? You know, the quality of life that pensions facilitate. That, I think, is so much more engaging mm-hmm. than pounds and pence. Yes. And this value for money debate is all pounds and pence, you know. Um, to, to me, I mean, we spoke last week, but it, it, I'm just worried that we've got we've got wrong-headed on this. Mm. Um, you know, that 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 employer didn't set up that DB scheme just for the union pressure. There was also some paternalism there mm. that they thought it was a good thing to do, that maybe it would be attractive, mm. but but also they wanted people to retire, but they wanted to put their CEO into the same scheme and all these <laughs> sorts of things, right? Yeah, um, so. And they wanted to create some sort of a community at work. Mm. Um, and we've lost sight of that, I think, by by pricing things and trying to use numbers. So yeah, I love so, I love the Rudy example. Let's make pensions our love project. Yeah. There we go. Pensions need to be like Rudy. There we are. Okay. So, so it's the headline for the LinkedIn post. It could be, couldn't it? It could be. I'll tell him when I get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. Give, give him an extra, give him an extra treat. Yeah. Um, Bit of a belly scratch. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. so I think uh, you know, just 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 to finish that bit off, I think. Value for money is important, mm. but it's not everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mm. think is what we're saying. So you need you need um, to to have the metrics. You need to have a framework. Yeah, um, but a framework is it's a necessary but not a sufficient condition. Yeah, um, to be able to deliver good out member outcomes for the longer term. Yeah, is where I'm getting with this. And just to focus everything in terms of value for money. And value for money alone yeah. is missing quite a large chunk of the debate. Yeah. My final question t- for you, Simon, um, and then we really have to wrap up, is I just want to sort of um, play a bit on the, your regulatory experience. Mm. And, you know, given, given our sort of regulatory architecture, FCA, TPR, um, Treasury, DWP, you know, can we ever get something that makes sense on this when you've got, you know, different regulators with different regulatory philosophies mm. Um, you know, potentially pulling in different directions. Any any comments on that? Uh, yeah, you're trying to trying to tease me into saying something controversial. No, not at all. Not um, at all. No, I'm not. I, I don't think there's any any controversy around it. Look, we've we've had the debate quite frequently. Um, not necessarily us, but there has been a debate mm. uh, about the single regulator. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so let's start at that point, right? How do you make that happen? You've got a rules based regulator and you've got a, a risk based regulator. Mm. How do you crash the two together? with immense difficulty yeah yeah um one will win the fca um so what does that then do to the pensions regulators sphere yeah um i don't think that is the answer quite frankly um you then throw in the dwp and and treasury or treasury always wins right they've got the purse strings so uh they they will always win yeah um if if it's too expensive they'll they'll block the dwp Mm. so you need to understand that that dynamic. So again, you put put it all together. Um, you take away the I don't know competitive tensions. Mm. Uh, and I've been there 
Um, I, I, I mean, I, I pretty much wrote the memorandum of understanding between FSA as was mm. uh, and the regulator. There is a tension, but it's a good tension because it promotes debate. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, they all do want the same thing, which is um, a robust system that benefits the member. Mm. Uh, and that's again, we come back to the member. It's it, it, you, you're right. The value for money is not the be all and end all. Mm. Um, the be all and end all is the member and making sure that they have the best outcomes. Mm. And that's a really good point on which to end the podcast. I think Nick. it is. Yeah, Simon, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an yeah. absolute delight. Yeah, thank no, you, it's really good. It's a, a slightly different one this week. Yeah, slightly less technical. Well, I'm glad we put dogs onto the list. Yeah, <laughs> we can't we can't talk about the Arsenal because the season's over. Yeah. Um, and we can't talk about the piano because neither of us ever actually practice. No. So um, it's good to, put, good to put dogs onto the list of potentially non-VFM topics we can be talking about. So thank you very much for that. Oh, and and, and we're, we're back in our, in our pod today. So we are we back in the pod. thank you very much for DG Publishing. Yes. Um, it's great to be back. First in-person one for a while. It is, yeah. So all, all, all my fault. Um, but uh, yeah, have you got any upcoming events you wanted to mention? There? Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a session on um, alternatives at PMI Pensions Life um, in a few weeks' time. And also um, going to be joining um, a Buck uh, Consultants webinar series mm. um, where we'll be talking a bit about value for money. So ah, you Something know, you know something about, I guess. Well, <laughs> I think um, I've been well educated by our guests. Uh, yes, well said. Um, what about you, Nico? Yeah, I just wanted to mention, so I'm, I'm just about to stand for election to the IFOA, so the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries Council. Good luck with that. Um, so I was expecting the election to start, I think, last week, um, but it's currently delayed. So Ooh. it's a slight mystery around that. But when it does happen, uh, please do vote for me if you consider to me a good... Good talker. <laughs> I don't they know what qualities you'd have heard from the podcast they, that makes they, me a good council member. They, but. they don't, um, you know, they didn't get their assumptions wrong in planning the election, did they? They might have done. I don't know. I don't know. Lots of mystery as to why on earth they could delay an AGM and an yeah, election. But uh, there we go. Um, so another great episode. Um, hmm. You'll find us on the podcast platform of your choice, and you can get in contact with us at VFM Pensions. Um, at gmail.com you never know the email <laughs> and um, we, do, we, we do post this on Twitter and LinkedIn so if you've got any comments like, please do engage um, through those channels Yeah, great to, to hear people's views yeah absolutely um, Simon thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your views and been brilliant thank you thanks again yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess we record on a Thursday yep. so happy uh, Friday yeah well I'll see you next Thursday goodbye everyone <laughs>